Are you looking for new books to read? Do you like finding a new special author? Are you tired of the same old books from the same old authors? Well then, welcome to Discovered Wordsmiths, a podcast where you can hear from fantastic new authors. Join Steven Schneider as he finds and talks to authors you may not know, but authors that have worked hard to write great new books. Hear about their book and why you should check it out. So sit back and listen to today's Discovered Wordsmith. Welcome to episode 125 of Discovered Wordsmiths. Today I have Steve Leshen, and uh, it's a good talk, as usual, some great authors always. But before we do that, let me give you a quick update on me. Uh, so it is September now, as we record this fall. Uh, it's still hot outside in Ohio, but tomorrow it's supposed to drop. More importantly for myself, I am on my new computer in my new office. Yay me. I'm so happy. It's taken me a while to get this rolling and going and everything working right and set up and all that jazz. So I got a nice virtual background behind me right now. Uh, I need a little more lighting over here. Uh, I'm kind of echoey at times, but I am in the office. I've got a new computer I'm so happy with. It runs so much smoother and better. I'm great, great computer. So uh, today... Oh, I've got Steve Leshen on, and he wrote a book called Murder by Numbers, and it's a thriller, a mystery. Uh, He's a great talk. Uh, He, if any authors are listening to this, I have a contact page on my website. Please go to it. Contact me if you'd like to be on the webcast. That's how Steve got a hold of me. That's how I uh, got talked to him, and we found out about his book and all that. It helps a whole lot. Uh, other podcasts, I'm sure, do the same thing. It, it doesn't make for a good podcast if there aren't good guests on there. So this is a great way for me to get guests. I already spend a lot of time with these producing them, interviewing people, etc. It sometimes gets difficult going out and trying to find lots of new authors. So if you are listening, please give me a contact. So uh, let's get into the interview and talk to Steve. All right. Today on Discover Wordsmith, I have Steve Leshkin. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fine. I'm trying to cope with the uh, Florida-type weather we're getting now in New England. It's going to be 90-plus degrees in the afternoon, and it's going to be thunder showers. And I remember visiting my parents in Florida years ago, and that was the weather every day. But this (laughs) is New England, so I wasn't expecting this all the time. What part of New England? I live in Connecticut. I live, okay. in, I live actually 10 miles east of Hartford in the town of Manchester, Connecticut. And it's centrally located. So if you want to go to New York or Boston, it's a good middle in between place. Yeah, I'm in Northeast Ohio. So it's a bit of a drive, but we got similar weather. It's been hot, muggy, humid, and I had oh, rainstorms and stuff last night. Yeah. Crazy uh, stuff. I was just reading about meteorologists define meteorological seasons, and they're very specific. September 1st is fall for meteorologists, but it's not the real fall for what we see. So it's interesting how they they do that. But I sure wish we could depend on the weather. It's Oh, it's September, time for cooler weather. So I see you have a guitar back there. You play some music? I I try to strum the guitar. When I was growing up, whether in the 50s and 60s, I was in the rock music for a while, and I 
said, okay, I'm going to form a band with my buddies. And we did have a garage. That's my parents' <laughs> garage. And we did have a guy that could play like the drums, but he didn't really have a set of drums. He had something else that he was using, like those beginner drums. <laughs> and then I strummed on the guitar. I got an electric guitar. And then I have the acoustic back there, which I try to play once in a while, but uh, it never went any place. Our band was called the Velvet Moose and it never actually <laughs> had any gigs. So what could I tell you? Yeah, I was in the, a rock band in high school too. Played bass, trying to learn guitar now, played drums in high school. So a little bit of everything. So a lot of musicians, a lot of authors also play music. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Creative output. I, yeah. When I write, I usually have music in the background. Oh, it varies. If I'm if I'm on a roll, I'll do rock and roll. If if I'm thinking, if I'm contemplating about what I'm going to write about, I usually listen to classical music or motion picture yep. composers because that gets you in the mood. And some of the great composers now are doing soundtracks for movies. Yeah, and TV shows. So there's some good stuff. So, who's your favorite band? My favorite band right now? Ah, it depends on the category. Is it a rock music? Rock and roll, yeah, rock and roll band. Oh, the Beatles, of course. Okay, a Beatle fan, Beatle maniac, and Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin (laughs) and all that, like alternative rock in the background. So. Nice. I can't even mention some of the some of the bands. We have like weird names today, but that's okay. Well, that's because all the good names have been used for the last fifty years. They got to get that's some true. new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. Other than music and that, any other hobbies or anything you'd like to share before we get uh, into your book? Well, you sell my guitar. <clears throat> I also like to play. I like to travel. I got a funny story about that. If you want to hear it, sure, please. <clears throat> When I was growing up in Springfield, we didn't go many places. And then after we, after I graduated college, me and two other guys decided to take a cross-country trip from Massachusetts, Springfield, Mass, to San Francisco, California. And we did it in a little car they used to call the Gremlin. It was yes. made by American Motors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we were going to go camping and try to save some money because we only had a certain amount of of change to spend. We packed in the Gremlin, which is a little tiny car. It was like, I think it was a two-door. Yeah, hatchback. But we didn't know any better. We were in our early 20s. So we packed this car up. We put in all this um, camping equipment, tents and sleeping bags and things like that. So the guy who rode in the backseat, because we took turns, there was a driver, there was somebody riding shotgun, and somebody had to be in the backseat. So the guy in the backseat felt like the Mercury astronauts in the early 60s, where you'd be cramped in and try to, try to be comfortable, but didn't work. But it was fun. We did make it to San Francisco. And in fact, one of our three guys decided he wanted to settle there. So we stayed there. So two of us drove back and we saw a lot of the country. And I think it helped in my writing later on. Nice. Okay. Let's talk about that. Why did you want to start writing? I think I've always been a writer. I just didn't know it. So while I I did the conventional thing that people do, which is to get a job, get married, raise your kid, and so forth. In between, while I was doing that, I had these thoughts in my head that maybe I should be expressing myself in 
different ways. And one of the ways that I did this part-time, I started out as a cartoonist because I like to draw. When I was a little kid, I liked to draw comic strips and superheroes and that sort of thing. And this led me to say, maybe I could do cartooning. And I did that for a while. I was able to send cartoons. This is in the old days when you can send drawings into a magazine. I don't know if people read magazines anymore. It's all on the tablet. And I was shot down hundreds of times. But on the other hand, they started to buy some of my cartoons. And my drawing was crude to begin with, but then it got better. But it was the writing that, because, you know, you needed the gags to go along with the cartoons, like the old cartoons you had in the New Yorker magazine and that sort of thing. I did it for trade magazines. And I picked up a few bucks doing that, and it was fun. But but then one of the cartoon editors told me, you may be a better writer than a cartoonist. So that was in the back of my mind. And I didn't really get started on writing until I, it was later on in my life. I was probably in my 50s when I wrote my first novel. I was in my 50s now that I think of it, but I came up with the idea. And okay. I think maybe this worked in my, to my advantage because you have life experiences that you don't have when you're in your 20s or 30s and you look back and you can appreciate what's happened in your life and how it affects your writing. And then I, of course, I read a lot too. Okay. You got your book. Is this your first book, Murder by the Numbers? No, this is actually number five okay. in the Joshua Oates series. That's why I'm wearing the hat. It's my private investigator hat. I like that the hat. Joshua would wear in the 1920s. Okay, uh, tell us about the series in the newest book. I will, yes. Okay, it started out with my first novel. I wrote a book called Vengeance of the Ripper about Jack the Ripper escaping from London, England in 1888. 20 years later, he settles in Los Angeles, California, and he meets old West legend Wyatt Earp. So I had this idea, what if, what if Wyatt Earp met Jack the Ripper and he was doing, Jack the Ripper was doing his murdering thing, and then he has to face the old-time lawman, Wyatt Earp. And one of the characters in the book was a police captain who was very young for his age, and his name was Joshua Oates. And he took part in hunting down Jack the Ripper in the novel. I won't say what happens in case you want to buy the book. And this led years, some years later, because somebody asked me, are you going to do a sequel to Vengeance of the Ripper? And I thought about it. I said, that was a novel that could stand on its own. And I didn't really think it would make a good series. But then I was thinking back to the young police captain. Maybe it did something to him. Maybe because at the end of the book, he was told not to talk about the biggest case he ever had, which was involving Jack the Ripper. And so this led to some problems at work as a police captain. I said, what if he started drinking? And what if something happened to him that caused him to quit the police force? And 
wander the country and enter World War I, which the United States entered in 1918. And he experienced the war. Then when he came out of the war, he had what's called shell shock, which is PSD, PTSD that we know about today. So what would he do? And so I tried to flesh out this character and said, I think it would make an interesting book. So he started to write. And that's what you have to do when you're a writer. You start writing. That's how I learned to become an author, too. That happened when I met, I don't want to ramble too much, but that happened when I met Robert B. Parker, who was the author of the Spencer novels. Yeah, nice. And I was at a book signing at, I think it was Barnes & Noble a few years ago, and uh, before I wrote Vengeance of the Ripper, and I didn't know how to write a novel. I did write cartoon gags, and I did write some short stories and some essays, but to write a novel, that was an experience I never had. So I asked him, I said, how did you get, how do you write? How do you write a novel? So he looks at me uh, warily, and he has a little grin on his face, and he goes, you just write. And I said, what kind of a cop-out answer is that, I was thinking. But then when I thought about that, I said, you know what? I started to write down my ideas, started to write a chapter, and then another chapter. And I think what he meant was the process of writing, you come up with ideas. And, it, and you just do it or else you're not going to write that book. You'll just think about writing it, but you got to actually physically do it. And I think the physical process of actually writing my mind comes up with these ideas afterward. I don't know if you find in your writings, but when you know you have an outline approximately what you're going to say, but I find that my way of thinking comes, comes better for me when I write it down, when I'm writing a novel. I'm in that mode. Yeah, I, my, my series I'm working on right now started off as one short story that was like 7,500 words. And now I've got planned for, it was seven books, but just the other night I thought of a whole nother book. And so now it's eight books. Uh, So I need to start getting those all written down and out. And I've got the first four planned. I've got the (laughs) storyline for the first four. Actually the first, a couple after that, I've got the ideas for. So yeah, I agree. And we were talking about music. I think it's that creativeness needs to come out and it comes out in various ways. It just comes out. It's like a different part of your brain opens up and says, oh, yeah, I know what happens next. Because when you're pounding on the keyboard, you really have an idea. You just have a vague idea what you're going to be writing. But then when it comes out and the sentences are there and it's almost like magic when it comes out the way you want it. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so... You mentioned Spencer, Robert B. Parker. Do you feel your books are like his, or do you have an author and books that yours are like? It is, and it's very much like his, because the Joshua Oates sequel that I came up with is called Target of Fear, and he speaks in the first person, and that's how I write. I write his adventures in the first person. You're hearing it from Joshua as he's telling you about what happened to him since the events of Vengeance of the Ripper, how he became a down-and-out private investigator and he gets caught up in these different things. And things happen to him that really, I find it, the dialogue is like Robert B. Parker's Spencer in that he's a wise guy type of 
private investigator where he comes up with observations about people that he meets during his during his story and lets the reader get into the mind of this character. He's a down and out private investigator. He has an alcohol problem, drinks too much. And this is during an exciting period in American history. After the United States left the war, you came home. It was 1918, 1919. Things were going on. You had prohibition became the law of the land the next year in 1920. You had the women's right to vote. It became an amendment called, did I say the 19th Amendment? I mean, the 18th Amendment was prohibition. The 19th Amendment gave women the right to vote. So a lot of exciting things were happening. And you know, you had celebrities in the 1920s. One of the celebrities that I use in the book, and this was makes, I think what makes my detective novels a little different is that it's also historical fiction. I take historical figures like, for example, uh, in 1919, where Target of Fear takes place, I have Damon Runyon appears in the novel, and he was he was a sports writer who became a short story writer, and he was a celebrity in New York City during the Roaring Twenties. Bat Masterson, who was a friend of Wyatt Earps in the Old West, <clears throat> settled in New York City and became, of all things, a newspaper columnist. And he became a celebrity in New York City. People knew who he was. They used to go to speakeasies and bars and things and entertain folks with his stories about the Old West and also his observations about life. So I had Bat Masterson in the story, Damon Runyon. Marie Curie, the scientist, is in that story. And Harry Houdini. Oh, nice. The great escape artist and musician. And my stories are different because I give them things to do. They actually take part in the adventure and they help Joshua because uh, Joshua Oates as a down-and-out investigator, has an ability to make friends with these celebrities from history. And that's my background, too. When I went to college, I was a history major. So I love to read history as long as well as fiction, science fiction, that sort of thing. So that, that sounds a little bit. There was a TV show in the early 90s, the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, George yes. Lucas put out, yep. and they had I'm all the historical that. figures, that, or Quantum Leap, where he jumps around and he meets people yes. uh, at that time. Yeah. Yes. So, so a little bit of historical in there. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it gives, it, it evokes a new element to the detective novel that I think just gives it a lot of stuff that you can do, a lot of stuff that you can write about. And it yeah. makes it a little more exciting. Nice. It and, sounds a little, it has a little bit of the noir elements in there. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a combination of noir and historical fiction. Nice. Interesting. And I, okay. And, and with, with a good hat. I get five-star ratings on Amazon most of the time. So I think, and my fans, I think, like that element and like the story of Joshua Oates. Nice. Okay. And this is indie published, correct? It is. Yeah. I Actually, The Vengeance of the Ripper went through a small publishing company that no longer exists. I couldn't use them now, but because I wrote this back in 2010 sometime, and then it was republished 
in 2014 independently by me. And so now it's strictly independent. I think part of it is my age. Like I say, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. So I'm at, at that age where I don't know if your traditional publisher really would want a series from someone of a certain age. But although we are living longer now, I must say, yeah. who knows? Yeah, definitely. And you said you're getting good feedback from readers. Yes, uh, I am. Have you gotten yeah. any really interesting comments from anyone? Yeah, they say, come on, write another one. <laughs> <laughs> write another one. I want to see what happens to Joshua and his girlfriend, Angela Lane, which happens to be another major character in the books. And she is a female who became a police detective in the 1920s, can you imagine? And I read it in history, there, there has been certain female cops back in the 1920s and even earlier. But it was really like, it was like an anomaly. You didn't have female right. police officers or detectives. And, uh, and Joshua falls in love with Aunt, well, Angie is what her nickname is. And the two of them get into pretty exciting adventures together. So nice. I think it works. Nice. Steve, if you had a choice, would you rather see your books turned into movies or a TV show? That's a good question. I think the from Target of Fear, which was my second book on, it would make a good mini series or TV series. The original novel, Vengeance of the Ripper, because it stars Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson and Joshua's in the background there, would make a good movie. Okay. So I hope that answers now, your question okay. Yeah, but. yeah. Now what you should write a story of your main character later in life meeting a young Spencer and encouraging him to yeah. Well actually in my new novel, Murder by the Numbers, takes place in nineteen twenty one and I was gonna have Joshua meet a young Elliot Ness. But I found out from history, Elliot Ness was still in high school and no, he would not be involved in, <laughs> he was well, not involved in law enforcement. Right, middle grade. So you always try and find the way to get the kids involved in something <laughs> like that. So you could make that work. It could be a- It would be a stretch though, because Elliot was out in Chicago at the time, going to high school in, you know, well, no, actually, he was out in the Cleveland area. Yeah, yeah, he was over by us. Yeah. Maybe him and some buddies jumped in a car and took a trip. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. But again, it, yeah, but I want to try to make my novels as historically accurate as I can. So, okay. for example, Wild Bill Hickok would not be in Vengeance of the Ripper because he was killed in 1876. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and right. Vengeance of the Ripper takes place in 1908. It would not work. No. Got it. Got it. Where can we find your book? And do you have a website? Yes. You can find my books on Amazon's websites, Amazon and Barnes and & Noble, and any discerning bookstore that might carry my books. And But mainly Amazon would have it. And then my website, I do have a website. It's Steve Leshen, all small letters cramped in. Web starts at, uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. And webstarts.com. Okay. So Steve Leshen, webstarts.com. And then I do have an Amazon author page. And I also have a Facebook page, Steve Leshen Author. 
and I'm wearing my fedora like I am now. So Yes, nice. <laughs> All right, and what's your plans for your upcoming book, books? That's another good question. I have a vague idea for my next book in the series because during the relationship between Joshua and Angela Lang, I always tease my readers that maybe they'll get married. So I'm thinking maybe the next novel, maybe the make marriage plans, but something gets in their way. It, so that's a big idea. So didn't Spencer and his longtime girl go back and forth with that a couple yeah, times? Yeah, right. yeah, Spencer and his longtime love, Susan Silverman, never actually got technically married because he would have his own separate apartment and she would have her own separate house. But somehow they made it work that way. Yeah. I don't know. That's, yeah. So, <laughs> yes, I did borrow some from Robert B. Parker. and But I also borrowed from other authors, too, as you probably did in your quest to become an author. And it's, you make it work and you make it your own. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things you like. So what are some of the books and authors that you've liked throughout your life? Your, like, favorite no. books and authors? Okay, Grapes of Wrath, you have to start with, because that said it all. Then I also read, oh, when I was growing up, I read Hardy Boys and oh, yeah. yeah, that series. And then a lot of comic books, like I mentioned before, when I was a kid, it was Superman, Batman, the DC series. And then I switched over to Marvel for a while because I thought the Iron Man stories were interesting because this guy had a heart problem, but he was a superhero. What's, I thought that was interesting. And then later on, I read I read a lot of history books from Doris Kearns Goodman, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning author, and also David McCullough, which wrote historical books that you could read like a novel. And then, of course, I read the Spencer novels when Spencer for Hire was a TV show. And I said, hey, this sounds interesting. I want to read more about him. So I read like all his books. And then he branched out and he wrote a Western, too. And that happened to be when I saw him at the book signing in Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And then I also read science fiction books. I read a lot of books because I also do book reviews for a website called Reader's Favorites. I don't know if you've ever... Oh, yeah, I know Reader's Favorites. Yeah. So I do, I do some reviews. I get to read some books from different authors, unknown authors like myself that turn out to be pretty good writers. So Nice. And right. where you live, do you have a favorite bookstore that you like to go to? I did, but a lot of bookstores closed. A lot of the independent bookstores closed. But I do, to the, I, I do go to Barnes & Noble. That's in town. And, I, and there's another little bookstore in Vernon, Connecticut called The Book Rack. And they take used books that you can exchange and, and you can loan them out and then you read them and then you can bring them back and you get credit and you can buy another book. Nice. So. Okay. And I appreciate you telling us all about your book. I want to move on talk some author stuff. But before we do, give everybody, someone came up to you and said, hey, Steve, I heard you wrote a book. Why should I read it? What would you tell them? Oh, I think you'll find if you like detective noir type stories with an exciting historical background with a lot of action, there is a lot of action in the books and there's romance and it's in a background of prohibition and the roaring 20s and celebrities and Babe Ruth is in one of my books and it's just an exciting read. It's the type of read you want to 
read from, from cover to back cover, and it's just a fun read. Nice. Okay, great. Appreciate you getting on and telling us about your book. What? Tell one more time, what was the title of the book? The title of my new book is Murder by the Numbers. Murder by the Numbers. There you yes. go. Appreciate it. Thank you much. Thank you. Hi, if you enjoyed this episode of Discovered Wordsmiths, please support the author. Go to their website, go to Amazon, look them up, get the book. And if you click on the link that I have in the show notes, you'll also help support the podcast so I can keep the hosting and all the software I use and uh, keep it running for, to help more authors. When I am recording this, we've got over 100 episodes, lots of authors. Go to the website, discoveredwordsmiths.com. Check it out. There's a lot of great authors, probably in some genre that you love. See what they have. Check out their books. That's what the point of the podcast is for. So people can discover new authors, find some new books they love, support the authors so they can continue writing. So please support them. And if you do like the podcast, if you've been thinking of podcasting or you're a writer, I've got some links also at the website. Click on those if you're interested in any of the software or services that I talk about. Everything that I have there is something I use, so I've got an affiliate link. Again, it's a little bit, if everyone clicked on those, if they were going to get it anyway, it helps keep the podcast going. So let's all help each other out, discover more authors to read. Thank you for listening to Discovered Wordsmiths. Come back next week and listen to another author discuss the road they've traveled and maybe sometime in the near future, it might be you. 